0: Well hey everybody, how we doing? Good morning. Good to see you guys. I am Pastor Dan. Uh, Nacogdoches campus pastor, and I just want to start out uh, two quick things. Number one, uh, thank you, Pastor Jeremy, for the opportunity to speak today. Super privileged. Uh, privileged. I, love, I love to preach. I love to get up and, and share what God's doing uh, just in my heart, and, and uh, I believe God's got something uh, awesome to say to you, but I also wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Nacogdoches SFA, Axum Jacks. Come on, everybody. Did you all see him beat up on Duke? not Kadochis, you know what i'm talking about hey it was so fun watching them uh, basketball teams killing it volleyball teams killing it it's so fun to have our home team just doing so well and uh, we're rooting you guys on and uh, it's going to be a great it's going to be a great season this morning's going to be awesome excited about what god has to say to us you know as we started this series all i need a few short weeks ago i, I was reminded of a story i heard and i want to share it with you is that okay story about a pastor who took um, Some of the people in his congregation to Israel uh, to tour the the land of the Bible, and if you ever get an opportunity to, like it's it's incredible. Uh, It makes the Bible 3D. Like when you walk on the, around the Sea of Galilee or take a boat, you're like, man, I read about this place. It's absolutely amazing. But this pastor, he's got his, uh, his congregation with him. They're on a bus. They're traveling up around the Golan Heights uh, north of the Sea of Galilee, beautiful open fields. And he's telling the story uh, of, of a shepherd and his sheep. And he's reading through the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. And he's painting this incredible picture. This beautiful picture of the shepherd who, like, takes care of his sheep, right? And, like, he, he provides for them, and he cares for them, and he lays his life down for them, and he protects them from the wolves. And, and he says, all of a sudden, out the, out the window, he says, hey, guys, look, rare chance we get to see it, but there's a shepherd and his flock of sheep, and they look out there, and as he's telling this story, like all of a sudden you don't see this beautiful picture of the shepherd caring for the sheep. You actually see the shepherd like scattering the sheep, like chasing them around, beating them like you beat your kids in the middle of Walmart. You know what I'm saying? Like chasing. Just me, okay. Um, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Um, but like chasing them around, and he says he says to the bu- the bus driver, says stop. And so they stop the bus, and this pastor gets like out of the bus and runs out there into the field like, what is he thinking, right? And he runs up to the shepherd, and he says, hey, 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 stop what you're doing. Like, what, are you crazy or something? I'm trying to tell these people on this bus about how beautiful the shepherd is and the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And I'm reading, you know, the 23rd Psalm and like, like you're totally messing it up. You can't be running after these guys, beating them, you know. And and the guy's like, whoa, 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 you got me all wrong. And he says, no, you got me all wrong, man. Like I'm trying to tell a story here and you're messing it up. And the guy says, no, 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 you have it wrong. I'm not a shepherd. I'm a butcher. Man, aren't you glad, aren't you so glad that that our Heavenly Father is not a butcher, like he's the good shepherd? The Bible says in John chapter 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly, and then it follows that by saying, I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd sacrifices or gives his life up for the sheep. We're now uh, on the downhill slope of this series, and we've got a couple of weeks left on All I Need. Has it been good? Have you guys enjoyed it? Like super, super good. Uh, you're not going to want to miss the next two weeks, I promise you. We're going to end on a, uh, in, in a huge note. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but like we've done every week, uh, we're going to read the scripture together. And so I want you guys to read it with me. Nacogdoches, I can hear you all the way there in Nacogdoches. Let's read it together. Come on, guys. This 23rd Psalm. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Come on, everybody. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause this morning. He's a good shepherd. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to dive again into your word We pray, God, that you would speak to us. We pray for your anointing, that, God, you would anoint our ears to hear, anoint our hearts to receive and obey, that, Jesus, you may be glorified in our life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. It's been so fun uh, going through this series. Just the other day, we gathered around at our house, like many of you do at your house, around the the kitchen table, and we quoted this psalm together, like we all read it together. And it was super fun. um, And just emphasizing different things in the psalm, I encourage you to do that. You anoint my head with oil. For the next few moments, I want to talk about what is the anointing, why we need the anointing, and how to live an anointed life. Life, not, not an annoying life. Look at your neighbor and say, he said, anointing, not annoying. And so, sometimes we get that confused. Some people, uh, they claim to be anointed, and they're just simply annoying. They're obnoxious, Pastor Talia. <laughs> they just are. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying some people are. <laughs> you know, I have no doubt as... As King David was, was writing this psalm, and he got to this portion of, of the song, Anointing My Head With Oil, that he was recalling a moment in his life where he was anointed as king of Israel. This was the day that God rejected all of his brothers. There were seven of them as possible kings. And God chose this shepherd boy from the field. Why? Because God calls those who have been cast off. He often calls those that have been discarded the unwanted and the forgotten. Someone say, thank God. Like he uses people that are, are often cast off or forgotten. So don't count yourself out when God is counting on you. Don't count yourself out when God is counting on you. Let's read it, First Samuel uh, chapter 16. It says when they arrived Samuel the prophet of God took one look at Eliab the son of Jesse and thought surely surely this guy he's the lord's anointed but the lord said to Samuel don't judge by appearances or height for i have rejected him the lord doesn't see things the way you see them people judge by outward appearances but the lord looks at the heart then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, "This is not the one the Lord has chosen, either." Next, Jesse summoned Shimea, but Samuel said, "Neither is the one. This one the Lord has chosen." And in the same way, he paraded all seven of Jesse's sons in front of Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, "Hey, the Lord hasn't chose any of these." Then Samuel asked. Are these all the sons that you have? He said, they're still the youngest, but, you know, like, there's, let's not waste time, okay? Like, go on down the street. He's out in the field. Like, you don't want him. Like, he smells like sheep. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we don't want to even bring him up. And Samuel says, we're not even going to sit down and eat until you bring him here. So Jesse sent for him. David came, and he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. That's what, the Lord, that's what my wife says about me all the time. You are dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Oh. And the Lord said, This is the one, anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. That had to feel good, right? <laughs> Samuel took the flask of oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. And King David pens this verse in the famous psalm, he anoints my head with oil. There was nothing special about that flask of oil. It was probably just grabbed from the kitchen cupboard, okay? Uh, Everybody had a little bit of olive oil laying around for baking bread, for healing wounds, for fixing that squeaky door, right? Um, nothing special about this oil at all. However, David would never forget about that oil. He would never forget about how it ran down his head into his beard. He'd never forget the aroma that it put off. He would never forget what the oil represented in that moment. That oil represented God's presence. You know, sometimes when I go uh, to hospital visits or go to see people in their homes, Um, I'll bring a little flask of oil just like this one, Um, and this too can be yours following service today Uh, (laughs) for a seed sown, I'm just kidding, Um, but I'll bring this and I'll anoint people with oil and pray for them. Um, James 5.14 says, Is is, is anyone among you sick? He must call for the elders, spiritual leaders of the church, and they're to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. There's nothing like super special about this small container of oil. There's nothing uh, special about it, but there's something supernatural that it represents. For King David, it represented a turning point in his life. From the pasture to the palace, from insignificance to significance, from anonymity to popularity, but more than that, this moment in his life represented God's presence, his protection, and his provision. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So let's look at it. What is the anointing? You've got your notes with you this morning. We're going to fill in some blanks. What is the anointing? Write it down, number one. It is God's presence in our lives. The anointing is God's presence in our lives. Picture with me the intimacy of the shepherd and the sheep. Picture the closeness the shepherd had by grabbing the little woolly head of that sheep and pouring oil on the top of his head. And, And in that moment, he's talking to the sheep and he's whispering to him, I'll care for you, I'm your shepherd Listen to my voice. You'll recognize me when I call out to you. Uh, There's a tender moment there, um, often like you have with your kids in the aisle at Walmart. You know what I'm saying? When you bend down and you grab their little woolly heads and you say, so help me, God, if I hear you ask for one more thing, I'm taking it all back. Anybody else? (laughs) Like, that's not how it is. Like, the shepherd is speaking to the sheep, and, and, and there's this intimate moment. And in the anointing, it's, it's like when, when, when the shepherd anoints the head of the sheep, the sheep begins to smell like the shepherd. You know, there's this moment at our house when our kids rush off to school. and We don't do it all the time, but, uh, you know, our kids are, are getting into the, into the car, and they're heading off to school. And I, and I hug them real tight, and I say, I love you. We always pray uh, a scripture over them Luke 242 uh, may may you grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. Um, I, I pray it with gusto and they're like favor with God, favor with man. You know, and I'm like come on now. Spiritual moment here. And so I'll hug them, and then Laura she'll come over and she'll hug them, and, and sometimes when she hugs them she'll say, "Oh, you smell like your dad." And I love that because it's like, you know, there's a portion of it when we spend time in God's presence, right? And the anointing, it's like we, we smell like our Heavenly Father, right? We smell like God. When you've been in church and you've been engaged in church, you just smell like Jesus. There's just something about you. We'll get to, to more of that in just a few moments. But I'm reminded of Peter and John in the book of Acts. They're out there spreading the gospel, these guys were brought before the council of religious leaders because they were, they were preaching Jesus and performing miracles in the name of Jesus. And Acts 4.13 says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training. These guys are just ordinary guys, but they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And May that be said of all of us, right? There's nothing extraordinary about us. But this thing I do know, they've been with Jesus. You know, this last week we celebrated the life of Miss Sarah. Sarah Houghton, what a what a beautiful soul. Um, she, you know, I said to my wife um, at her at her memorial service, I said, you know, there are some people in life you just think I didn't get enough time with them. I wish I'd have met them sooner. And that was Miss Sarah. And if you didn't know her, uh, man, she was an incredible lady. She stood about this tall. But I'm telling you, in the spirit realm, she was like a giant. And when she would come in and she'd give you those hugs, you just knew that she had been in the presence of Jesus. Number two, the anointing is God's protection over our lives. There's some very practical purposes um, Behind the use of the anointing oil, the shepherd would spread this oil. He would keep it in a little tool belt with him while he was out in the, in the field, and he, he would cover the sheep's head with, with oil, and he would rub it all over his ears and his eyes, and especially up in his nose, and it, and it served as a powerful repellent, repellent from like small bugs and stuff that could cause big problems in his life. There's a fly called the nose fly, and I apologize in advance for some of you that are, this is going to make you a little queasy. Um, there's this thing called the nose fly. It would find its way into the nostril of the sheep, and it would, like, lay its eggs. And when the eggs become larvae, it would work its way up into, like, the brain of the sheep. And sometimes, like, it would cause the sheep to, like, go and bang its head up against a rock <laughs> and do, like, crazy things. And I was reminded, anybody Star Trek fans? You remember the Wrath of Khan? Remember that little worm thing that crawls up in his ear, like, two, two or three of you? You know what I'm talking about. we got some Trekkies here. But, like, it would drive them, drive him them crazy, and the sheep would actually get to a point where, like, he was willing to run off a cliff. But you got this anointing oil that it would, it would keep the, the the flies and these bugs from getting up into their, their nose. And I, I want to ask you a question this morning, like, Like, what's bugging you? What are the small things in life that are bugging you? The small things that kind of work their way into your life that cause you to, like, I don't know, bang your head up against the wall, you know, and drive you crazy? These unchecked things that will eventually lead you to, to banging your head up against the wall? You see, it's the small, unnoticed, and unchecked things in life that can cause the most damage but the anointing in our life can provide protection. For example, someone said this or that about you at school or at work. It's little things, right? Like you just can't, you can't, you can't quit thinking about it. And you got to pray, anoint my head with oil, God. You're driving around the parking lot in Walmart and somebody just stole your parking spot. And you want to go Medea all over them. <laughs> and you're like, anoint my head with oil, Jesus. They didn't call you or text you back. Anybody else that irritates you? Like, I know you saw it. It marks red, right? You read it. Anoint my head with oil, God. My kids can't seem to find the dishwasher or the laundry basket. Anoint my head with oil, Jesus. My spouse never says thank you. Would it hurt you to say thank you? Not in my house, but my spouse never says thank you. Would it hurt you anoint my head with oil? Are you you listening to me this morning? Like it's the anointing that keeps those little bugs from working themselves into your life. It brought about protection from these pesky flies. It's the big things. It's not the big things that that usually get you in life. It's the small things that build up over time. Song of Songs 215 says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. The anointing in your life keeps the pesky bugs and the small foxes from ruining your life. Imagine how different your day might be if you began it with, Jesus, just anoint my head with oil. Like anoint the things that I see, anoint the things that I hear, anoint my mouth. Dear God, help me shut my mouth, right? I don't know if this is helping you, but it's helping me tremendously this morning. (laughs) Number three, it is God's provision for our lives. The shepherd's oil also served as a healing agent. You see, in those days, like they didn't have, uh, you know, Google where they could say, uh, hey, Siri, how do I release my, my, my sheep's head from barbed wire fence? Like the idiot stuck his head, how do I get him out of there? Like they didn't have that. They couldn't Google those things. Uh, so they had to just deal with whatever they had. And, and many times they would have that, that olive oil with them. And so as they're inspecting their sheep, they would just spread this olive oil over everything. Because olive oil, it just fixes everything. E-V-O-O just fixes it all, right? Just add a little bit of E-V-O-O to it. You know, the olive oil back then was like today's Bactine. Does anybody remember what Bactine is? Well, let me tell you what it is for those of you that don't know. Like when you're riding your bike and you fall and you skin your knee, you got a choice to make. You either go to the house and ask mom to help you with it, or you just leave it alone. And many times you just left it alone because that back teen spray psh, psh, just made it even worse. And like she'd spray it on it, and it would hurt worse than like the actual scrape. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Did I dream this up? You know what I'm talking about. And you're like, do I really want that? And you say, mom, that hurts like the Dickens. She's like, it's helping. That's that means it's working, right? I don't think it's working. Olive oil was kind of the back teen of its day. Daily, the shepherd would inspect each sheep, searching for cuts or abrasions. You see, he didn't want whatever injury had taken place. He didn't want it to become infected and cause worse issues. He would gently rub the oil over each cut and sore, and the oil would keep it from infection, and it would actually help heal the wound. Guys, I'm so thankful That God knows me, and he inspects me, and he provides a healing balm for me, for all of my daily bumps and bruises. I'm reminded of King David as he penned in Psalms 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Almost to say, God, inspect me daily. If there are any injuries in my life, spread your anointing oil on me so I don't live with constant pain. The anointing oil is a powerful representation of God's power to heal our deepest wounds. The gospel writer Mark says in chapter 6, And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick, and he healed them. James chapter 5 verse 14 again says, Is, is anybody, uh, anyone among you sick? He must call for the elders, the spiritual leaders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So that's, that's like what the anointing is. And it's so many other things. It's God's presence, it's protection, his provision of our lives. Um, but let me give you some practical reasons why I think you ought to be praying for the anointing each and every day. What, are, what is the anointing? Why do I need the anointing? Write it down, number one. My assignment in life requires it. My assignment in life requires it. At Timber Creek Church, your God-given potential is our mission, but you'll never be able to accomplish that mission in your own strength. Listen, you and I, we're just just not that good. We're just not that good. God never asks you to do anything without providing what you need to do it. This isn't in your notes, but you might want to write it down. When God appoints me, he anoints me. When God appoints me, he anoints me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24 says, God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. And in the NIV, it says, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. He will do it. God does not wait for us to get all of our spiritual ducks in a row before he calls us and desires to use us. Amen? Like, you don't have to get all of your stuff together before God says, hey, I want to use you. You don't have to get all your stuff together before you take a next step. Listen to me. At Timber Creek Church, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. Because God's provided a way for you to take a next step. Next, next Sunday is Water Baptism Sunday. Super excited about we, we get excited about those things. We celebrate those things because people are taking a next step towards their relationship with Christ. Amen? They're like moving towards their God-given potential. But you'll never be able to fully realize and accomplish your assignment in life outside of God's presence in your life. John chapter 15, verse 5 says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Number two, my relationships in life are simply better with it. My relationships in life are simply better with it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, I love that, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Like, there's, there's no limit, right? Like, you can have all of that that you can handle. I love this the anointing in your life does not make you a better version of you. The anointing in your life allows the spirit of God to shine through you in spite of you <laughs> in spite of you like i 'm standing on the stage uh, with the ability to preach and declare the Word of God not because there 's something great in me, but that God is working through me like I know who I am, right? You know who you are, and in those moments that God uses you to do something incredible, you recognize it's not me, it's him. It's the presence of God in my life. And when you spend time in God's presence, your relationships are better. Listen to me. I'm a a way better husband when I've spent time with Jesus. Amen? My wife's on the front row. (laughs) I'm a way better dad when I've spent time with Jesus. I just am. I'm a way better co-worker when I've spent time with Jesus. I'm just a better human being when I've spent time with Jesus. Like John the Baptist says, uh, less of me and more of him. When I spend time with him, he rubs off on me. Amen? Your relationships will benefit from the anointing of God in your life. The, The fruit of the Spirit begins to make its way in and through you. And the fruit of the Spirit is evidence of God's anointing in your life. And fruit is not meant to be consumed by you. It's meant to be a blessing to those around you. I'm telling you, the anointing in your life will, will drastically improve your relationships. The more time you spend with Jesus, the better those relationships are. Number three, it makes life's difficult tasks easier. It makes life's difficult tasks easier. The difference between serving God in your own power versus God's power, like it's just night and day. It's night and day. Ephesians 3.16 says, from this unlimited resource, God will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. One of the Holy Spirit's jobs is anointing people with power. Power for what? Power for lifting up cars? (laughs) power for for what it's to do things that are difficult in your own strength such as loving the unlovable that's difficult in my own strength forgiving the unforgivable has somebody hurt you has somebody wronged you resisting the irresistible is there some habit or hang up that you just can't quite Get past, you need the anointing of God in your life. You need God's presence. You can't do it on your own. Defeating the undefeated. If you're ready, if you're getting ready to walk into a very difficult situation, it's okay to pray, God anoint my head with oil. Philippians 4 13, I can do everything with the help of Christ, who gives me the strength I need. We like to stop there. I can do everything. I can do everything. I can be like Mike if I want to. Like Mike, if I could be like Mike. Do you remember that commercial? Like you can't be like Mike. I've tried. I can't dunk a basketball. And the older I get, the harder it is. Like I can't do those things. But I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength that I need. My question for you this morning is, are you living out of adrenaline or out of anointing? Are you living out of adrenaline or anointing? Guys, we can bite our bottom lip uh, for a short amount of time and and just with hard grit get things done. But how many of you guys know that only lasts for so long? Are you living out of adrenaline or out of anointing? I need God's anointing in my life to do those difficult things. Number four, it makes impossible things possible. Luke 18, 27, what is impossible for people is possible with God. Ephesians three twenty says, "Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think." One of my favorite sermon series this year was the one that we just finished recently. Dare to dream, wasn't that good? Dare to dream and just believing God for greater things. I found uh, that. In, in myself, during that time, that during that period, uh, I was praying this prayer. Maybe you prayed the same thing. God, help me to attempt great things for you and expect great things from you. Like, help me to attempt great things for you. It's okay to say, God, use me to do things that are beyond my ability, beyond my strength. You know, the cool thing about what God's doing at Timber Creek Church right now is that it's happening through the Spirit of God. We just celebrated in first Sunday prayer like over a thousand decisions for Christ. Like that's absolutely amazing. That's not by the talent or the gifting of the staff that that are here and I love our staff and I love our team and I love our pastor and he's an incredible communicator but I'm telling you, it's the spirit of God that's doing the work and if you think this is awesome, if you think this past year, just wait because the best is yet to come. Come on somebody, the best is yet to come, amen? Why? Because we serve an awesome God. And if we'll expect great things from him, we can believe for great things from him. God's presence in our lives makes the impossible possible. Think about it. We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. Jesus came, Emmanuel, a virgin's womb, and then an empty tomb, multiplied fish and loaves, blind eyes open, lame men walking, and people added to the kingdom in droves. And he can still do it today, the anointing Makes the impossible things possible. And number five, it makes me a blessing rather than a burden. Somebody in between services uh, was trying to guess the blanks. Anybody else try to guess the blanks while you're. (laughs) And they said, I was for sure number five was, it makes me a tool rather than a tool. And I thought, well, I don't want to be a tool in life. But it makes me a blessing rather than a burden. Listen to Isaiah 61. I love this. This real hope and change the anointing in our lives brings to those around us. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He's sent me to, be, to heal up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the, the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance from our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Jesus spoke these very words right after he spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And this was like his first sermon. Basically, he was saying, the spirit of God has anointed me to be a blessing to you all. Like, I'm here to be a blessing to you, to bring good news to the poor. What's the good news? You can know God. You can know God. He's not a far off God. He is close. He is Manuel. In fact, He is God in flesh incarnate. He has come to be with you. You can know God. To heal up broken hearts, to proclaim freedom. You can find freedom in life. You don't have to live bound up your entire life. You can find freedom to bring comfort, to bring joy, to bring restoration. Oh, he restores my soul. He's a restoring God. Someone say amen. Amen. He restores my soul. You can now discover your purpose in life. To trade beauty for ashes, to bring joy, and to lift the heavy load we carry. You can be the difference maker in your world so that God will be glorified. So so those are some practical reasons why, why I need the anointing in my life. How do I live the anointed life? As we land this plane this morning, three things. Number one, you ask for it. You simply ask for it. You have not because you ask not. The anointing is God's presence in your life. I've got to ask you a simple question that we began even this series with. Is the Lord your shepherd? Like all the benefits of the 23rd Psalm are not accessible to you unless the Lord is your shepherd. Listen to me now. They're not accessible to you unless you invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Ask for it. Number two, position yourself to receive it. If the sheep... wandering off and we do like sheep we stray we get off the beaten path and we go off and we do our own thing and I remove myself from a position to receive the anointing of God I've got to put myself in a position to receive it every day I got to find myself in a position to receive God's anointing meeting with God every day should be a part of your routine Imagine the difference it would make in your life if you took just a few moments every morning before the day began and you just sat in God's presence and received all that he has for you and you prayed a simple prayer, dear God, anoint my head with oil. Number three, you walk in it. If we walk according to the flesh, Paul says we're going to fulfill the desires of the flesh. But if we walk according to the spirit, we're going to fulfill the desires of the spirit. David was anointed as the next king of Israel, and he didn't go straight to the palace. He went back out to the pasture, He went back out to tend the sheep. He wasn't wearing the crown yet, but I guarantee he walked a little bit taller. He talked with a little bit more confidence, and he threw that slingshot with a little more zing in it. Because he knew that God was with him. Anoint my head with oil. You know, as we close this morning, I, I was thinking about, you know, the process that the, the olive goes through before it becomes the, the oil um, that we see today. There's actually a, a pretty cool process. When I was in Israel, we stopped it at the Mount of Olives. And uh, we're touring around, and our tour guide is kind of telling us about this area and about the trees and stuff. And over in the corner, we saw this big uh, concrete structure, the big uh, concrete wheel. And, and he began to tell us that this was part of the structure that they used in making olive oil. And they would actually put the olives in this thing and then turn this big wheel around, and they would crush it. And they two, two or three times, they would crush the olive And then they would gather all up, and they would put it in a bag, and then they would press it. And as they pressed it, all of the oil would come out, and they would gather it together in a cup of sorts. It was crushed, it was pressed, and it was poured into a cup. You might recall the Mount Mount of Olives, the, the place where Jesus took Peter, James, and John the night that he was betrayed in Luke 22 it says, then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony The gospel uh, writer Luke says the uh, agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Are you getting the picture here? Crushed, pressed, poured out. Mark chapter 14 says they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him and became, became deeply troubled and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. What's my what's my point? The reason we can pray with confidence, Lord anoint my head with oil, is because there's one that's been crushed and pressed and poured out for you and for me. He's done the work and guys will get the benefit. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this incredible treasure. This makes it clear that our greatest power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. How was Paul able to say this with such confidence? How do people in life go through the madness they go through and not experience being crushed, pressed, or even poured out? It's because Jesus did all of that for us. Would you take, yeah, come on, give him a round of applause this morning. Let's not take that for granted. The reason that we can pray and ask for the anointing in our life is because Jesus has done it for us. I'm so thankful that he carried all of that for us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? Maybe you are here this morning. And you say, you know, if I'm really honest, I've, I've not asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And all the benefits of the psalm are not mine because Jesus isn't the Lord of my life. Can I tell you, like, he's not the butcher out there just ready to to rake you across the face with his rod. Like, he loves you. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He's crazy about you. And you are here for a reason today. The Spirit of God is tugging on your heart. And you say, Pastor Dan, I want to ask Jesus to be the Lord. Of my life. I want Him to be the shepherd of my heart. I want to invite Him to be the center of my life. Nobody's looking around. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Would you just, would you just slip a hand up all over the place? One, two, three. Put your hands up in the air. I want to invite Jesus. Yeah, come on, all over the place. Here in Lufkin, there in Nacogdoches, Dybald, Duncan. Come on, be bold. I want to invite Jesus to be the Lord of my life. He is my shepherd. You may pray a prayer like this: Jesus. I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I make a terrible Savior, but you're the perfect one. You came, you lived a perfect life. You died a sinner's death. You were buried in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, you were resurrected from the dead. And because you live, I also live. I don't quite know what my next step is, but I thank you, God, that you are with me in that next step. And I thank you that I that I'm a new person today in the name of Jesus. Head still bowed, eyes still closed this morning. You're dealing with some difficult situations in life. You may be feeling a little crushed, a little pressed, a little poured out, and you say, I just need God's anointing in my life. Would you pray with me today? Hands up all over the place. I need his anointing today. Jesus, you see the hands. God, you know their hearts, you know the situations they're going through in life. God, I thank you that you don't abandon us. You've never left us nor forsake us, Lord. God, we can pray and we can believe and we can trust you, God, to be our strength in our time of need. Anoint our heads with oil, God. May your presence, your protection, and your provision be about us, God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.